imitates the tall, blonde, Adonis-like boy, and they make eye contact from across the room and immediately fall in love. And then they embark on a beautiful love story full of twists and turns and, one could say, ins and outs. Well, this is our love story today, the story of my grandparents, Victoria and Ken. I'm Whitney. And I'm Skye. And welcome to the ins and outs of love. I'd like to dedicate this episode to my Papa Ken, who passed away in August. We love and miss you, Papa. We are so happy to share you and Mima's beautiful love story. Let's get into it. Welcome. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with my amazing grandmother, Mima, as I call her, Victoria Carlson. I'm super stoked to start this this podcast today and get our interviews going. We're going to be talking about her love story with my Papa Ken, who just recently passed away. So we're thinking of him and we love and miss him a lot. And I'm so excited. Well, thank you for having me, listening to my love story. I know. Well, we'll just get right into it. Yeah. Um, okay. So you have three different favorite kinds of fries. So I have a friend, my best friend from high school. Her son has been a waiter for years, and he waited in really nice restaurants in the Salt Lake area. And he's at this really nice restaurant now. He's been at for several years. She's taken me there twice for lunch um, for my birthday and it's, it's gratis yeah. and he always serves us at the very start these garlic rosemary fries that are to die for they're just the right thickness they're the right crispness and they are probably the best fries i've had in utah where, then, where is it at it's it's down in a hotel down in downtown salt lake mm, okay it's a very shishi restaurant my second is the cheapest french fries yeah. come from arby's what i know a lot of people that love I arby's love fries. their spicy curly fries they're amazing they are really good and then of course you can't go wrong with the germans called pomme frites which are french fries uh with mayonnaise. They serve it with mayonnaise. And their mayonnaise Remember is different. It is. It's delicious. Yes. And the other thing they do, they used to do, is they cooked their apple pancakes and their french fries in lard, which is, comes from beef cattle. It's yeah. just the fat off of beef. <laughs> so it was totally unhealthy, but oh, so good. Yeah. Made it that much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I definitely know that you like Arby's fries. But not because you told me, but because my dad has told me that before. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing you can eat there. The rest of us. It's not awful. great. <laughs> it's awful. And and they're not good for you, but they, they taste really good. If you get them right when they come out, they're crisp and soft and spicy. Oh, yes. Yeah. We... What about, I thought Wendy's fries were going to be in the running. No, I, I don't like Wendy's fries. I don't like okay. McDonald's fries. I don't like uh, even In-N-Out, which is fresh, actually fresh potatoes. They're good, but that's why I like In and Out. Fast food restaurant, the curly spicy fries at yeah Arby's are the way to go. So, what is your love story? Let's start with how did you and Papa Ken meet? Papa Ken and I met in Berlin, Germany, in 1967. The Berlin Wall was only six years old, and it was the height of the Cold War. Berlin was a city that was wild, it was political, and it was full of all sorts of spies from the Iron Curtain countries, particularly Russia, and um, the British and the Americans and the French. It was an exciting place to be. And it was kind of a scary place to be at the same time. Oh, I'm sure. 
Papa Ken graduated from West Point in 1966 and attended Airborne School and Ranger School. And his first assignment after graduating as a second lieutenant was Berlin. It was his first choice. He was thrilled to be there. Wow. Where was he from originally? Well, at that time, his parents lived in the D.C. area. We didn't know each other, but we saw each other in the cafeteria of the Post Exchange, which is one of the few places. There was no McDonald's. There was no Burger King. There was just this cafeteria that made actually pretty good food. And he was having a late lunch and I was having a late lunch. We were sitting about oh, 20 feet apart on different tables. The place wasn't crowded. It was late in the afternoon. And we both saw each other and we connected. And what I saw, I don't know what he saw because he's not here to tell us, but what I saw was this gorgeous six foot five blonde Adonis. Hollywood decided, I'm going to show you the best military officer in the world. And he's going to be in the Berlin cafeteria. (laughs) (laughs) And he was drop dead gorgeous. I thought, oh my goodness, he's really handsome. And, uh, but we didn't know each other. And later I found out that he was the boyfriend of a girl that I kind of became friends with, that I worked with at the, at the post exchange. And she was going home. She was what's called a dependent child. Her father was stationed in Berlin and her family was being sent back to America. They'd finished their time there. And I met her and she was at a party and I met your, your grandpa there at a party. And when Susan went back to the United States, Ken came trolling for a date. And there was a really cute blonde behind the cosmetic counter. And then there was me. And he ran into me first. He said he was coming for me. I don't believe it. But he ran into me first. So he asked me on a date. Our first date, he wanted to impress me. He told me to dress up, that he was going to take me to the French officer club in the French sector of Berlin. I know. I love this story. (laughs) So I thought, oh, wow, I've never been there. I'm really excited. French food. Pick me up. We drove there and uh, it was closed. I think it was a Monday. It was closed (laughs) on Monday. So he he was trying to be cool. And uh, in the different sectors of Berlin, there was the French sector, the Russian sector, which was behind the Berlin Wall, Mm -hmm. the American sector and the British sector. They would each hold in the summer, this was in, in, in July, they would hold a festival called a Folks Fest. And it was basically carnival and rides and good food and a beer tent. And he said, well, let's go to the French Folk Festival. So we went. No. We were a little bit overdressed. So we rode the <laughs> Ferris wheel. I remember that. I think we ate pommes frites, German French fries Love with, with a burst. Love it. And oh. uh, we had a good time. And then we went back to his apartment and talked late into the night. So that was the first date that Ken tried to impress me. And Were you impressed at all? Uh, was there anything that impressed you? Other than the fact that he was... Well, I was impressed with him. Yes. But I, was, <laughs> I, I was a little disappointed that it was a, a burst and not French cuisine in the French officers club. Yeah. And <laughs> we true. never, ever got there. And the time that we dated which was another year, uh, we never got to the French Officers Club. Oh, wow. That's staying. <laughs> I'm still disappointed down. about I that. She's holding on to a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so it. you have this first date that's, I mean, a disappointment, but also really awesome. 
what like what happens next did you guys like continue to see each other after that we continued to see each other for another year i was dating another guy too okay but that kind of waned and i i just got to do some really interesting things because ken had become the aide-de-camp to the brigade commander general goodwin and so uh it was just my introduction to the military i thought the military was like it was in berlin well it's not I mean, no. that general had a Mercedes car with a driver and lived in this house with servants. And, oh, goodness. And, and I, was, I was interacting with the higher level officers and people in Berlin. That's just this girl from Utah. And one of the things, most of our dates were at the golf course, okay? So Ken was really busy. He, he didn't have a lot of time. He was really, really busy in his, his, his job. And but on the weekends, he liked to play golf. And so I would go with him. And he always told people I, I carry, carried his golf bag or hauled it around. I never did that. I did not do that. No, he but after own. we got married, he said I was bait and switch because after we got married, I never wanted to go on another golf course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I, I did. I had no idea. That is hilarious because I, I know that Papa Ken loves to golf. And I didn't realize that you thought that was something that you guys just did. This, did you go, like, would he golf with other people? Oh, yeah. Oftentimes he was golfing with the general and, and, and the general's wife or, okay, or okay. other people. And, and I would just go along. I didn't play golf. And it was just one of the ways I could be with him because... He was so busy. Yeah, he was just so busy. He needed his recreation. Yes. And, I mean, we, we did a lot of... We just did a lot. It was such an interesting time in Berlin after many years. I mean, I lived with a family who I, I was kind of their babysitting uh, babysitter and they gave me room and board and brilliant kids, brilliant couple. Uh, But the kids for some reason liked me. I could never figure out why, but they really liked me. Anyway, I knew he worked for, he was a spook. I knew this gentleman was a spook, Maurice Sovereign. And it was years later that I found out not only was he a spook, but he was the head of the CIA in Berlin. Wow. <laughs> wow. It sounds like Ken was very smitten by you, more so maybe than you were smitten by him. I was pretty smitten with him. Yes. Yeah. But was he, I mean, it sounds like he was trying to get you to come to anything and everything that he could. Yeah. We, he tried to include me as much as possible. He really did. Yeah. When was the first time you guys said, I love you? Do you remember? You know, I really don't know. Um, I know the first time we kissed, it was on that first date. <laughs> what? No way. I, I love you, it. I love what, it. What details can we get from that? <laughs> well, I think we were really attracted physically to each other, you could say. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. What did you say in the beginning? He was a 6'5", blonde. Adonis. Adonis. <laughs> as she said, Adonis. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't, you don't remember First, I love you. I don't. And, and I, you know, it's interesting because your parents didn't remember that. Either. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was, it, it wasn't filmed, you know, I just. Maybe it wasn't, it just, I, it maybe it wasn't as big of a deal. I, I, I think it, it still just was a evolved, big deal. You know, I, yeah. I just, I just think it evolved. And So what was one of the bigger moments then that you really maybe were just, wow, I have quite the. Man, guy on my hands that this is he's amazing he's special i would never find another guy like him did you ever have one of those moments um yeah i kind of uh, i i guess like you could say i did you know the the problem is that 
I went home. My family finally said, okay, enough of that girl gallivanting around and getting into trouble in Europe. We're bringing <laughs> yes. her home. And I came home to, uh, to live with my grandmother for a while. And Ken was getting ready to go to Vietnam. So when he came home, I actually went and stayed with his in the area a week with his family, met his family in October of 1968. Uh, and then he left for Vietnam. Wow. So you guys dated for about a year in Berlin. We dated for about 14 months. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I, we just recently saw the photos of you um, with Papa Ken's family in, in, and before he left for Vietnam. Yeah. And very cute. I love your outfits. They're so cute. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to find one of those photos and post it. I think we have at least let the listeners know. Oh, you have to contact this. Chris. Chris, is, he has so, so many of them. So was there a favorite, maybe a short little favorite date that you had while you guys were dating those 14 months or a favorite memory that you have? Oh, well, one of the things that always involved kind of the military, uh, one of the things that they did the whole time that they we're occupying. So that's a whole nother story. Everybody go read your history. Uh, the British would do what's called a tattoo and they still do those. And it's their military units get out and do their bands play and their, um, they just do different exercises and, and horses come out. They do all the British things that the British do so well. Yes. So we went to that one night I didn't get to sit with Ken, but I went with him and the general and Mrs. Goodwin in their car. And then I sat by myself and then met up with them afterwards. Uh, they were in the VIP area. But that night, it was in the Olympic Stadium where the Nazis held the Olympics back in the 30s. Mm -hmm. And that night, the British had a helicopter fly over with the largest flag that the British owned. And it, it broke loose <gasps> and came down across the stadium. <laughs> and I think someone was hurt. Uh, most of the people were sitting on my side. But I'm just watching this thing thinking, this is really out of body crazy. Um, yeah, that was that was an interesting. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It just broke I loose. I wonder if Holy there are cow. pictures of this event. There <laughs> if we look it up. That's, that's hilarious. That's I'm, assuming, it was, I'm assuming it was a British flag. Yes, yeah. huge. Huge biggest one they own. It was the biggest one they owned there, and it was big, really big. <laughs> and somebody was hurt. That's so sad. Yeah. Well, I could just imagine you watching this going out. You're not with Ken at all, right? You're just sitting there, and you, this is just normal. Yeah. You're just watching this you go down. You can't, like, text him and be like, are you seeing this? Yeah. <laughs> you had to talk about it afterwards. So my favorite favorite restaurant in Berlin was called Hecker's Dealey, H-E-C-K-E-R-S, I don't know. And I would always order the same thing. We would go there. We went there about three times. It had excellent food. And I always had uh, trout and tomato soup. And tomato soup had a little dollop of, of sour cream and, and toasted almonds. Oh, It was the best tomato soup I've ever eaten and the best trout I've ever eaten. Another yes. night we went out. You probably won't be able to use all this in your podcast. But another night we went out with the general and a guest of theirs to a restaurant that served uh, game meat and we had um, deer and it was absolutely delicious but it was the most expensive meal Ken and I ate in Berlin the general had to borrow 
money from Ken to pay for the meal. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. That is kind of embarrassing. But if I was a general. <laughs> why is European food so much better? Well, it's fresh. Yeah. That's why. Ridiculous. No trans fats. <laughs> America's just trans fats. Okay. That's all we are. So you guys met in 67. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves for Vietnam in 68. Do you reconnect at the end of 68 or in 69? We reconnect in 69. I go to meet him on R&R. So during the Vietnam War, uh, the troops would get a week break about six months into their tour, which was usually 12 to 13 months. And we met in Hawaii and that's where we got engaged. I love it. And there was nothing spectacular like people do nowadays. You know, it's, it was not Instagram worthy. The, the funny thing is he'd gone into uh, the officer's club bar and asked the men there, what ring size is your wife? And he averaged them out. Oh my gosh. And that's the size ring he got me. And it was too large by a, a half a size. And, but it was a very high quality diamond. And um, good job. I wore Papa it Ken. until it fell off my finger in the winter. Probably at a gas station, never to be seen again. Never to be seen oh, again. Oh, when? Um, it was after Samantha started college. Oh, wow. It was insured. That's why you should always have your ring insured. And insured. We, we know. You know my parents' I story. Did, I did never want another diamond because I didn't want to be responsible for it. Oh, yeah. 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 Did you? So, so you got engaged in Hawaii. Yeah. Did you guys talk before that as in like, you know what? We're just going to go to Hawaii and meet meet up there is that what is that is that like the meetup yeah. spot yeah a lot of people either went to thailand or hawaii on r and r oh i see oh, i love it you got married in we got married utah. at fort fort douglas uh utah there was a little post up by the university of utah we got married and we moved 18 times I, this is I, this is legendary everybody knows that me mom moved 18 times oh my gosh. <laughs> just like most marriages there were challenges and there there were highs and lows that's just what marriage is about Mm -hmm. but ken and i had a big elephant in our marriage and actually before the night we got before we got married i didn't know if i was going to show up i just thought i'm not sure i don't know why i don't know if this marriage is going to work out we Mm -hmm. we are from two different faiths Mm -hmm. and and um i just wasn't sure that was going to work out yeah but I showed up, came down the aisle, my train got hooked on a nail and I couldn't move any further. And so I was trying to move forward and Ken was up on on the lectern, the, the stand, uh-huh. kind of reaching out to me. We were doing this back and forth kind of <laughs> uh, dance. <Yes. laughs> and finally his father reached down and unhooked the train off the nail. It was a very old little post chapel. And I got all the way to to the front of the church. And then during the ceremony, I could, I, I said, I do twice. I was so nervous. So <laughs> I love that. I you love did the that. same thing. I did. Well, I guess technically, yes, I did say, it I twice. don't know if you remember this, but when we were getting sealed in the temple, sky said yes early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was December 6th. December 6th, 1949, 19, 19, uh, 19, 1969. 1969. I wonder, sure. oh man, I wonder if he had been like thinking about that. Like, like, I, like I'm going to meet her in Hawaii and I'm going to ask her to marry me. Oh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he was. I, so I wrote Papa in Vietnam, uh, I don't know, twice a week. Mm-hmm. He wrote me 13 times in a year. 
Was that I just was that just out of what he was able to do? Well, it definitely the first six months because he was in combat. Yeah. And the, the later his later part of his tour there, he was at a, a headquarters. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I, anyway, that's. I guess he so thought she wrote me all these letters. I guess I should marry her. I, don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Actually, before he left for Vietnam, he gave me his West Point pin, which when this is over, I will show it to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were considered pinned, which is pre-engagement. Yes. yes. I don't yes. think they do that anymore. I but, know, but well, that's... Um, bye-bye birdie. I was going to say that's bye-bye birdie. I know. Did you really <laughs> get this was 100 years ago, by the <laughs> way. You guys get married in Utah. What, what do you guys do next? Where, where do you move next? Uh, we moved next to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, mm-hmm. then to Princeton, New Jersey, where he got his master's degree, then to Fort Carson, where he commanded an armor company, then to West Point, where he taught for three years, then to Fort Leavenworth, where he con- attended a school, then to Fort Knox, where he worked on the armor engineer board, then to Frankfurt, Germany, Monheim, Germany, back to Frankfurt, Germany, mm-hmm. back stateside to Leavenworth. back to Heidelberg where we moved once while we lived in Heidelberg. And then we came back to Virginia and then uh, he, he got out of the military. He was in New York city. Then we lived in the Philadelphia area back to Springfield, Virginia. I didn't know you lived in Philadelphia. Well, outside of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Valley Forge area. Okay. And then we moved twice more in Virginia and finally, Back to where I grew up 50 years later, the 19-year-old was now 50 years older, 69. Mm-hmm. And then back here. Everybody here asks us why, and I said to grow old and die. I remember your home before your last house in Virginia, very briefly. And I'm assuming that was your last two moves in Virginia. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I was alive for any of the other moves. No, Probably not. You weren't. Is Chris, where was Chris born? Chris was born in Princeton, New Jersey. Okay. Samantha was born at Fort Carson. And Matt was, your father was born at Fort Leavenworth. So three kids, my dad's the youngest, and 18 moves. But now we know that there are four children. Yes. So when we talk about marriage, I think the reason that ours succeeded was because we both came from families where the parents had stayed married. That's not to say if you come from a home where people are divorced, you know, that your marriage isn't going to be successful. But we had that example. Statistically, it's people stay together. Yeah. And I always felt like I had the choice to get married. There have been down through the ages, so many marriages that were arranged. They weren't oftentimes for love. They were for economics, for for different things. And I felt like because I had a choice and I married a good man, mm-hmm that when I felt like throwing in the towel, or he did, and and there were times that we felt like that, um, we stuck it out. And I think when I look at what's going on today, I think people just quit too easily. Because for me, staying married to the father of my children, and this Adonis, uh, (laughs) ended up being... I made the right choice. And one of the reasons I made the right choice is that Ken and I had a child while he was in Vietnam that we chose to give up, gave up for adoption. Mm-hmm. And so that was the elephant in our marriage. Yeah. I had to go through with our decision 
And it was painful, extremely painful, very hard. And she came back into our lives at a, a time when Ken was going through a very serious cancer treatment. Yeah. And it, it changed our lives. It changed our family. And for me, it lifted a burden I'd carried for 38 years. And it enabled me to really step into Ken's shoes and recognize that he did the best he could. And that I just had to let that anger go. And I was able to do that. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that we stuck it out because we ended up, we had a great life. We laughed a lot. You know, one of the things that I love that really attracted me to your grandfather was one, he was like your husband. He was full of confidence. <laughs> he was very funny. Mm -hmm. He was very smart. Mm -hmm. He was a fabulous speaker and teacher and storyteller. He did the most amazing card tricks. Yes. And most of all, he put up with me. Mm -hmm. And so, as you know, um, we've had to deal with some hard things the last several years. And he ended up declining with Alzheimer's, which was very hard to see this brilliant man um, decline yeah. and lose his great mind. But every night he, we would go to bed and he would say, We'd kiss and he would say, I love you more. And I'd say, well, it's not a contest. But <laughs> that sounds like us. Oh, my gosh. But after he passed away, I really reflected that I really think he did love me more. I wouldn't want to be married to me. <laughs> that is such a you know, point. I, I'm literally the same way. <laughs> I, I would marry me. Way. I absolutely would marry me. There, I mean, there's probably I can't would marry himself. <laughs> see? Well, see, this is it's exactly uncanny. <laughs> it's so similar. I, I love it. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I mean, it's it's special. And even being just a part of the family for the little while that I have, there was it's been a treat to learn all the things that I have about you and Ken. And the relationship did have its ups and downs, but there was never mm -hmm. a moment that I ever. Was I had ever thought? Oh, I, I wonder what would have happened if they never would have been married. Like maybe they would have ended up better. Now you guys were such an example to even us, yeah. and then Whitney's parents being an example. So it's will it be fifty? It would be fifty three years, years in, a, in just a couple of weeks. We we didn't quite make it to fifty three, but you know that's another thing that and in, in the this time in in the world, especially especially in the Western world, people are getting married so late oftentimes, but they're never going to reach 53 years. Yeah. And, and a lot of them aren't going to reach it because they literally, they just give up. And it's, it's mostly for selfish things. And as you look back on a 53 year marriage, you realize all the things that you might have disagreed about or fought about or yeah. that caused conflict were just really meaningless. They don't matter. In the end, it's about love and about accepting that you have faults and failings and so does the person you're married to and to turn to switch it and look for all the, the really positive things that you each bring into a marriage. You know, I mean, Ken could be a lot of fun and, yeah. and he was a positive person. Even to the end, he pretty much remained extremely positive. I, I know I've, I've told a lot of people this story over, over the last three months, but 
on one of our last drives back from one of his doctor appointments, I we were coming along the Wasatch Front. For those of you who don't live in Utah, that's the mountain range that runs all along the Salt Lake Valley. And and I was driving and I said to Ken, how are you feeling about earth life? And I thought maybe he would complain, you mm-hmm. know, say something because he'd had such health challenges for the last 15 years or so. Yeah. And he thought for a moment and he said, it's the best planet I ever lived on. And of course, in my mind, I'm starting to laugh thinking, well, it's the only planet you've lived on. But (laughs) I've really thought about that. And I thought about how that really reflects this Adonis that I married. He, he, He was right. This is the best planet any of us have ever lived on. And he was seeing the good in it and not all the bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's one piece of advice that you could give to newlyweds, people just really going to be people about to be married or people out there that are having a hard time in a relationship, anything. Well, first of all, you should discuss things before you get married. You should discuss children and, and um, you should discuss finances. You, you shouldn't just leap into this with love because that hormonal love that we all come into a marriage with it, it dissipates and then you get down to the nitty gritty of life. And so I, on every card I write for a newlywed, when I give a gift, I say, congratulations, enjoy the grand adventure of marriage and be sure and pack a sense of humor. And so I, I think a sense of humor can mitigate so many problems. If you can switch things when they're difficult and try and look for the good or the funny, or whatever. Laughter is the best way to end an argument. And so I guess that would be my advice. Enjoy the adventure. It will be difficult. It will be joyful. Laugh along the way. Live, laugh, and love. Live, laugh, and love, she (laughs) says. I love that. That's some great advice. Yeah. We love you a lot. And we are super grateful that you came on this podcast and chatted with us and absolutely we got to talk about papa ken and we miss him lots and love him lots and we love you and we appreciate you and we love you thank you thank you thanks for having me of course i absolutely loved that interview me too we'd like to thank mima for letting us interview her and thank you to my sister tessa for writing and performing our theme song follow her on youtube at tessa grace or on instagram at the underscore Tessa underscore Grace. And be sure to come back next week to hear our love story. Yep, you heard that right. Get to know us next week. See you next time and spread love. Spread love.